Let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word today. We want to thank you, Lord, that your word is living. We want to thank you, Lord, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We want to thank you, Lord, that through it that you reveal yourself to us. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us now to open our hearts and our minds so that we might see and that we might hear and that, Lord, that we would be obedient to all that you have to say. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you were here last week, but last week we thought about the wow factor in our Christian life. We thought about this amazing love that God has for us. This love that causes us to stand back and say, wow, what a God we have. And it's that wow factor, that amazement, that will cause people to see that you and I are different. Make no mistake about it, folks, this morning. You and you and me, we're different. And we're different for one reason. Because we've come from darkness into His glorious light. We have been born again. Let me tell you something about yourself as I look at you. You know who you are this morning? You're a child of the King. Surely that brings a smile. A child of the King. You're a prince. You're a princess. If you know and you love the Lord. You are a privileged people. And me. You and I have been called to a life of greatness. And I want you to believe that this morning. If nothing else, believe that your calling is a call of greatness. And I say this not because I say it, I say it because God's Word says it. We're just going to read in a minute, but part of the reading you'll hear these lovely words. You and I have been endowed with splendor. That's right. That's who we are. People endowed with splendor. There is a call of greatness on our life. And that's marvelous. And we'll, God willing, have a look at what that call of greatness might mean for each and every one of us as it's worked out in our life. But if you have your Bibles, you'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. We'll read God's word together. And this is what God's word says to us. (coughs) Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It's a good verse for Scots people, you know that. (coughs) Why spend your money on that which is not bread? And your labor on that which does not satisfy. Listen, God says, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest fare. 
Give ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my steadfast, my faithful love promised to David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not, and nations that did not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you the fields will clap their hands Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of the briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. And we'll pray that God will bless his word to us this morning. You know, when I used to work, I'm retired now, but when I used to work and I worked in, in Stirling for many years, Sometimes I would go out and have lunch, and other times I would have it in the house. And this time I'm talking about, I decided that I would go out and have lunch because I would be out. But the chores that I had to do were done quickly, and so I arrived back home. Now when I arrived back home, Miriam thought I wouldn't be there, so she wasn't there also. But I was really, really hungry. And so I went to the cupboard. Now to me the cupboard was bare because it hadn't the things that I liked. There was pastas and soup and everything. But that meant cooking and I can't cook. And this hunger was there. I wanted, you ever been at that place where you, you just fancied something tasty? And I opened the fridge and there they were. Two lovely hot dogs. Oh Yes! So the hot dogs came out, the mustard came out, the rolls came out because Miriam was out, the Coca-Cola came out, and I had a really lovely lunch. It was just beautiful. There wasn't a crumb left on the plate. But after I had eaten it, I felt hungry again. I felt that I could have eaten a lot more. There was still a hunger there inside me. And I want to suggest that many of us know that feeling of hunger all 
too well, that hunger inside, in the spiritual realm. That we're hungry for something more filling and more powerful than we've had. That we fill our lives with things that don't really feed us to satisfy that hunger that's deep down inside each and every one of us. Our reading says that, come all who are hungry, that our lives are full. But many times they are not fulfilling. I remember a story told by Billy Graham. And he told it about this American football coach. And this American football coach had a dream. He had a driving force within him. He wanted to win the championship league. And he worked hard for years and years. And eventually his time came. That was his year. They won everything. They went to the championships and they won that. He had fulfilled his dream. And this is what he said at the prayer conference. He said, at the moment of my greatest achievement, I was so depressed. And Billy Graham said he never forgot the coach's last four words. I was so depressed, he said, because my God had died. And it's true that sometimes we strive and we work hard and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with striving and working hard but sadly when we strive and work hard and when we achieve what we're striving for we find that it's not enough that there's this still hunger inside us you see inside each of us in every human in every person here there is a part of us that needs something bigger than any earthly achievement and any earthly relationship can offer. It just will not satisfy. The excitement of getting what we want will die. And we want something more exciting. We want something better. And dare I say it, no friendship, no championship, no scholarship, no relationship, no ownership, no fellowship or friendship can ever satisfy what? That God-given hunger for something that will stay forever. You and I, we've been called to greatness. We've been endowed with His splendor. And part of that greatness I want to suggest to you is that there are God-given hunger in each of us. And only God himself is able to satisfy that hunger within us. Do you believe it? Yes. T.S. Eliot wrote a very famous poem. If you get a chance, read it. It's called The Hollow Men. And this is the way he concludes this poem. It's very sad. He says this. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. 
And that is exactly what God does not want for each of us. He doesn't want it to end in a whimper. Because we in our lives have a call on us and it's a call to greatness. We're children of the King. That's what attracts people to us. We're different. And we should never be afraid of our call to greatness. And never be ashamed of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a very touching scene in the musical 1776. And you probably won't know the musical because it's very American. It's all around uh, the American <coughs> Declaration of Independence. But if you ever get a chance, you should listen to the songs. And the musical portrays the agony that John Adams is going through. He was the one that put this Declaration of Independence together. And he had worked so hard. And the night before the signing, it seems that everything was crumpling before his eyes because there was so much argument of who should and who shouldn't sign it. And his mood was one of despair. And in the musical, he steps outside and he looks up into the night and he cries, Is anyone there? Does anyone care? Does anyone see what I see? He had this great call he believed on his life. Does anyone see what I see? And I often thought that maybe Jesus could have cried these words when he looked out into the world. Does anyone see what I see? Do you see what Jesus sees? There's a dying world out there. We have this great call of greatness. We are sons of the living God. Do you see what Jesus sees? Miriam and I have travelled a lot. And one journey that I remember was on a little Cessna plane. And we were flying into Peshawar in North Pakistan. And we were coming out of Afghanistan for the first time. And if you've ever been in a Cessna plane, it's only a four-seater. And it flies low so you can see what's going on in the ground, really. And as we were flying around, I thought, hmm, I think I've seen that before. And then after a few minutes, yeah, I'm sure I've seen that before. And then the pilot turned to me because one of the privileges that we had is I sat up with the pilot in front of you. It was great. And he says, Robert, we are on what we call a holding pattern. That means that we were just going around in circles. Going around in circles. We were waiting for some jet fighters from the Pakistan Air Force to land. And it can be tiring, and it can be boring, flying around in circles, not going anywhere. And as we examine our Christian lives, I wonder if that's true of us. We're not standing still. There's plenty going on in our life, but it's all so familiar, and deep down inside, we want more. We want more. 
And King Solomon opens up that more and what that more might look like when he says in Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and women. You and I have this eternity in our hearts and it can never ever be satisfied with anything that will end. It can only be satisfied with the eternal. There is this God-given hunger. He's giving, given it to us so that He can come and satisfy that hunger. There's a lovely little verse in the Bible in Deuteronomy that says this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. And I believe that that's what God wants to do among his people. You and I, called to greatness. You and I, sons and daughters of the living God. He humbles us so that we bow the knee before him. He gives us that hunger not to be satisfied with anything else except him. And then he feeds us. He feeds us. He gives us this privilege of being part of his kingdom. We are kingdom builders. Boy, what privileged people we are. Someone has said this, a God-given hunger and restlessness usually precedes a powerful touch from God. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? For more of God. Do you want to make a difference from the one who gave you life and the one who gave his life for you? Stories told of in 1991 during the Gulf War that <coughs> uh, Rabin was pres uh, Prime Minister of Israel and he was meeting with George Bush, the then President of the United States. And George Bush was urging Rabin not to escalate the war and retaliate against Iraq. And this is Rabin's reply, and he answered it with a little twinkle in his eyes. He said, Mr. Bush, the last time the Jews listened to a talking bush, we wandered in the desert for 40 years. And that's true. But what he forgot to mention is this. That it was that burning bush that started a journey that would take the Jewish people from slavery and would free them. And our call to greatness is the same. That we start this journey with God. It just started in a very ordinary way. There was Moses attending his flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And it was then that the Lord appeared. Very ordinary scene. There were 20 people, 30 people in Moodisburn meeting to hear God's word. 
and the Lord appeared. He's here, you know. Make no doubt about it. God's here. He's here for a purpose. The Bible raises the curtain on that life-changing time in Moses' life. Now, I want to suggest to you that Moses' life was full. He was a very busy man. But I want to suggest to you that it was not fulfilling. It was just another day until God showed up. Until God called him by name. Moses! Moses! And Moses said three words that would change his life. That caused him to go from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Moses said, here I am. And that's the response that God wants from each of us here today. As he challenges me and as he challenges you to catch the vision. As he challenges you and I so that he can catch our attention. Because the scripture always says today. There's no tomorrow in scripture. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day I want you. Here I am, Moses said. And on that day, God started a kingdom work. And I believe that God continues to want to start kingdom works. And each of us, when we are willing to say these words, Here I am. His call today is for you and I to join his rescue team. Moses responded, And his life was never, ever the same. And God wants us to respond so that our life will never be the same. Because he's reminding us, as God in a lovely way does, of who we are. Because we need to be reminded. We need fresh challenges. We need to start all over again. The call to greatness. You know, when Moses was called, he felt very inadequate. And when Moses was called, his first response was he made more excuses than my grandchildren last night made when I told them to go to bed. He had all the excuses that he could ever want. He felt very inadequate. Someone else, Lord, can do it better than I can. It's not the right time in my life, Lord, you know. Maybe wait a few months or wait till this happens and that happens and then, Lord, I'll be ready. And if you read that passage of Moses' call, God says this to Moses. Moses, I am not asking who you are. I want you to ask Moses who I am. And then when we ask who God is, and we see who God is, and God opens himself up to us as he does, then we're ready to say these words, Lord, here I am. And then the kingdom work 
will begin. We look out there. There is a world that is dying. And we have the answer right in our hands. There's a world that is dying and God is crying for you and I to go and to tell them. Why did God come to Moses? If you read the story, for one reason he said, I have heard the cry of my people Israel and I have seen their suffering. And this morning through God's word I want to suggest to you that God is saying to me, first of all, because I can't point the finger at you if I don't point it at myself, God is saying to me and he's saying to you, I hear the cry of the people out there on the doorstep. I hear their cry. And I want to give them what you have. I want to give them what you have. I want to make them what you are, sons and daughters of the living God. That's why our call is a call to greatness. To bring people into the kingdom. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you ready again to take up the challenge? Let me close with these words. God laid upon my back a grievous load, a heavy cross to bear along the road. I staggered on and lo, one weary day, an angry lion sprang across my way. I prayed to God and swift at his command, The cross became a weapon in my hand. I slew my raging enemy. And then the cross upon my back again. I reached the the desert o'er the burning track. No shade was there and in the cruel sun I sank at last and thought my day was done. And lo, the Lord works many a blessed surprise. The cross became a tree before my eyes. I slept, I woke, I felt the strength of ten. I found the cross upon my back again. And so through all my days from then till this, the cross, my burden has become my bliss. Nor ever shall I lay my burden down, for God some day will make my cross a crown called to greatness to take up the cross and follow him Moses said three words here I am and that's the challenge and only each of us individually can respond to that challenge And as you think about it, think about what we are about to do next. We are about to come to the table of our Lord. We are about to remember that Jesus also said to God, Here I am. And he went to the cross and he died. He was born to greatness. Greatness to do God's will. And so are we. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you're here because you have promised where two or three are gathered together in your name that you are there in the midst. Help us again, Lord, to remind ourselves of who we are, sons and daughters, heirs to the promise. 
truly blessed. And help us, Lord, again to seek to ask that you would fulfill that hunger that we have, a desire to serve you. Father, we just want to give our lives to you again now. In Jesus' name, Amen.